Welcome to the Working Hands Podcast. I'm your host, Tony, joined by Keith and Chad. What's going on, guys? How's it going? It's going. So, so what are you guys working on this week? Go ahead, Chad. Well, I am working on some military plaques uh, for people retiring or moving to different stations. Uh, it's something interesting. I usually cut these out with the CNC first and then do all the engraving and stuff with the laser. But I thought to myself, I don't feel like setting up the CNC to make the cut. So I cut out three quarter inch solid pine with my CO2 laser. <laughs> and it's amazing. How many passes did you have to go around to cut that out? One pass. So I've got some secrets with the lasers that, that not everyone knows about. But if you do some research, you can find out some different ways to increase your cutting ca- ca- capacities. And uh, got a new lens for the laser. It's actually not rated for how low of a voltage mine is, but I said I'm going to try it anyways. It said minimum 100-watt laser. Mine's a 60-watt. I gave it a shot. It's working. And with some materials, I can cut pretty thick stuff out now. Now, I'm going to say I won't be able to cut three-quarter inch ply because there's something about the glues that they put in plywood that really gives uh, lasers a hard time. But uh, watching it cut through that pine so cleanly and smoothly and not having to deal with the sawdust was just, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, that, that does sound nice. Yeah, it sounds impressive, that's for sure. I got to see this in action. Are you going to post the video? I do have some footage of it, and I definitely want to do a video of it because I, I don't really want to keep these secrets to myself. I want to help people that are into lasers as well thrive because I think the pond is big enough to share the clients. So. If you guys want to find out my tricks, find me on YouTube and I'll give you all the details. You are such, you're such a clickbait guy. I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't stand it. <laughs> you I know, the title of my video is going to be, You Will Not Believe What I Can Cut Through With My Laser. So, Chad, this is, this is not a podcast for <laughs> promoting Chad's social media. <laughs> well, somebody's got to do some growth on the social media. Well. That was a burn, just so you know. At who, me? That's rough. Both of you. That's Both rough. you guys. Well, <laughs> uh, unlike you, Chad, we're busy doing stuff. We don't have time to play around on social media. That is true. That is something we haven't talked about. Both Keith and Tony have full-time jobs outside of their workshops. Me, recently, I have left my full-time job as a teacher, and now I am home doing it full-time, keeping kids, but also getting a lot more work done than I used to. You should probably rephrase that and not call it keeping kids. <laughs> well, honestly, Keith, there are days where it just seems like I'm keeping them alive. Yeah, but then say keeping them alive. I was like, I'm keeping kids. You know, I quit my job and now I'm keeping kids. Might want to just well, parenting. Parenting. Yeah, parent. I parent three kids. It's It's been a thing for sure. Isn't that but, the first uh, rule of parenting? Yes, it is. Financially, it made a lot of sense for us to take the kids out of daycare. Uh, honestly, what you pay in daycare ends up being your full paycheck. So it worked in into the whole decision process for sure. But that's enough about me. We were talking about me rambling. I want to hear from one of you guys. What's uh, What have you guys been working on recently? I have been running my CNC. I just finished one of those uh, 20-inch... I don't know what I can say about it. I'm going to call it a medallion. It's like a it's like a clock face, essentially. Um, I just finished one of those today. I guess start the next one tomorrow. Who's it uh, for? Uh, it's for just a client of mine. So the uh, 
the guy I'm I'm actually doing it for another woodworker, um, sort of. And the next one I'm doing, I have to mill it at a one inch MDF. So he got delivered today a one inch, a one inch four, four by eight one inch sheet of MDF. It's going to be a nightmare. All that That's dust. Thick. Oh yeah. Well, the, the 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 way I'm doing it now is I bought three quarter inch and I laminated them together. But with the bits I have and the way that I have to carve it out, it's almost too thick to get down on the sides, you know, because the collet hits. I'm not prepared with the bits to do this job. So um, I've been having to mill out a bunch and I cheated it on the bandsaw before I put it into the CNC machine, obviously. But uh, just the MDF dust, I can't stand it. I, d I stand out there. I have three vacuums, a dust collector, like just get it all right from the source right now. <laughs> do not go in the air. Trying everything with the face mask out there and the heat. It's rough. It's a pain. Because obviously I don't have three mounts for dust collectors on the thing. So, but it's working. See, that's what I had going on this week. What about you, John? Well, it's been kind of a long-term project that I've been on lately. I've uh, got a local brew shop, actually, like home brew shop. They've got me making a little uh, project that they call it a beer caramelizer. Essentially, a long, it's like a long rod of stainless steel. And I'm taking and shaping into a ball at the end and then stretching it out to make it so it's like about two foot long. So it's something that it uh, it's a German thing, I believe. And then you take this piece of steel, put it into a fire, heat it and then dunk it into uh, like heavier beers. And it's supposed to bring the sugars out of heavy beers. So the heat's supposed to bring the sugars out of it. So it makes it sweeter. I'm not really I'm not really into the that side of the beer thing, but it seems to be uh, so. It's it's an interesting little project. It's been tough to, to build, actually. It's like a ball at the end, and it's, so it's like a needle, right? But with a ball on one end, it comes out to a point. And you hold the point side. Is that? Uh, no. Well, what we're doing is we're it's the ball end, and then it comes out like just tapered it out to a well, a straight taper, or just draw it out to a certain size. I guess not a straight taper. And then um, the idea is they're going to put wooden handles on them so that they're uh, just to dress dress them up a little bit more, like hand, like actually get them turned and uh, almost like uh, kind of almost like a knife handle in a way. But well, actually, no, sorry, not really a knife handle, more of like a uh, a beer uh, beer tap. That's what I was trying to get at. <laughs> okay, so but they're big. Was, then. Yeah, these things. Yeah, are big. oh yeah, that's they're twenty twenty four inches long. Like they're fair and the the stainless stainless I'm building it out of or forging it out of is a uh, half inch. I'm making uh, upsetting the ball to about one inch to three quarters of an inch round. So it takes a fair bit to get that mass pushed down and then and then draw it out to a little under half because a little just to give it some texture on the outside as it goes back to the handle. So and then that ball is what they're going to heat up. Like they, they yeah like that's yeah. the end that gets heated up. Yeah, that's the end that you getting heated and that's what gives you the uh the desired effect with the beer so basically it's a big swizzle stick you know like in a drink you know how they have the thing where you in a yeah. cocktail yeah huh. i've seen i've seen them do it you can see it on youtube um there's guys that have done it and they put like i don't know say an inch or two of beer in the bottom of a glass and then by the time they're done uh, they dunk it and then by the time they're done it's the head on the top is probably almost the top of the whatever glass you're using. So it does, does change the beer quite a bit, I guess. That is crazy. I want to see that work. I got to look that up later. Yeah. No, that was an interesting one. Well, the reason it's so difficult is that 
I've never worked with stain. Well, yeah, I've never really worked with stainless forging anyways. And that stuff does not like to move. Like I've done everything I can with a hand hammer and I'm still learning. And it's taken quite a bit to get it to, to move where I need it to go. Is it a matter of how hot you can get it in your forge or is it just a matter of the steel being that hard to move around? Yeah, yeah definitely temperature does play a, play a factor in it. Um, like the temperature I get it to with normal mild steel, like if I was trying to do the same operations, I'd have it done. Like it would just be, it'd be a, probably a 15 minute operation. You'd be done with this stainless. It seems to be taken like it takes like an hour or better just to get one kind of into the shape that I want it. But I'm still learning too. So it's taken, you go to school on the first one. So it's taken a while. I never thought I'd hear Tony say something from the Godfather. <laughs> so we are from? 11 minutes in. Yes. 11 minutes in. Before this episode, I was consciously thinking, I'm like, how long is it going to be till Chad references Jimmy DeResta? It was Tony, the last it person I would have thought. Tony at 11 minutes. What can I Subconsciously say? loves him. He, he won't say it out loud, but he knows, he <laughs> that, knows the truth. I mean, that really is a great saying, though. You do go to school in the first one. The problem is yeah. if you're only making one. Yeah, do, you, do you sell the first one, Tony, or are you keeping that one? Uh, well, actually, I've got four made right now. Um, and I've got about six or seven more on the bench that are in different stages of being completed. The idea, I think our first run's like 24 pieces. Wow. The idea, the idea is they want to put it in their shop as a, as a, uh, <laughs> as, like as an item to, for purchase. So it's hopefully something that we can make. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Make more. So maybe I'm confused as to what this is. I thought this was used in the brewing process of the beer. No, so it's not. It's right. actually, so if you, I forget, they told me what it was, but the idea of it is, is that it's for like your customers to purchase and then they would do that to their beer. It's kind of like a seasonal thing. I think they talked like, like a certain time of year, you bring these out, you do this, this process to a, to a heavy beer, like something you do in the summer. When you normally, for a beer that you would normally drink in the winter because it's heavier, I think that's their was the thought. It's really interesting. It's exciting that you uh, you've got kind of a recurring job that could be coming in, Tony. Something that you could hone your skill on, get quicker, get better materials and things to potentially batch out for that store. I think that's that's really exciting. But how yeah, the the next one, the next set I'll do like instead of doing the upsetting process because. I had done a few test pieces in in mild, mild steel. Took, you know, two, three heats, got to a shape that I liked. You know, you could really do whatever you wanted. Like mild steel with a, the three and a half pound hammer I've got. If I want to, if I want to do something with it, I don't even have to be super hot to get steel moving. So, but once you get into the stainless, it's, yeah, like that three and a half, it's, it just shake, it just shakes off the blow. Like you wouldn't even believe, like it, I think it would, crush it right down but it doesn't it just takes so much to move that stainless you know what you got to do is for your anvil stand you got to make it real solid like bury that thing four feet in the ground oh wait i heard i heard that works <laughs> i have tried everything i've made jigs for my vice i've made an upsetting block to put on my anvil stand i uh, like i say i have been through it all to try and get this more and more efficient but how long does it take from raw material to finished product right now I'm probably in around an hour or two, but I'm doing at the same time. I've got four or five pieces in the in the heat at the same time, so it's it takes me a couple hours, and I've got say four done. I want to see one of these when you're done with them. 
Yeah, for sure. What is it called? Do you have like a like a name or a process for it? Well, from what I'm told, it's called a beer caramelizer is the actual term they used for it. So, Tony, it sounds like since you're working with stainless and it being a little bit harder metal than what you're used to, what are we looking at in the future? Are we going uh, power hammer or are we going press? What, what route would you go? Uh, well, for me, right now, I'm kind of thinking about building a uh, a treadle hammer, which is a foot-powered hammer. You'd actually power it with your own your own foot so they uh but for me like the ultimate goal is to get probably a press of some kind because it it makes the most sense for like my neighborhood like we talked about before where my neighborhood's pretty residential so power hammers don't make for good neighbors imagine i don't know maybe if you put those posts four feet down into the ground as a a foundation it might absorb some of the sound yeah that might help but yeah, and, so, uh, sp- and space-wise too, like a a press, you can get you can you can get a press in a lot smaller space than like a large hammer. After hearing you talk about the treadle hammer, I had to pull it up on Google to see because I'm not familiar. What I'm seeing is yeah, some kind of foot pedal mechanism, and you put a humongous hammer, like a sledgehammer style, in it. Is is that right, or what? What kind? What are you thinking about if you were to ma- build one? So there's many variations of it. There. There's a, there is one that some people just have a, a sledgehammer and you just, it's on springs and you, and, uh, just pull the sledgehammer down with your foot. Then there's others that are on like a leaf spring assembly. And it's the same thing. You pull it down with, with, uh, with your foot, but it, it kind of has a bit of an arc to it. Like a, like a, how a hammer would have an arc. It comes down it. And depending on the height of your piece, you don't always get a very flat hit. So mm-hmm. what the, the one I'm looking at is, uh, and actually I have the plans for it is, uh, uh, Clay Spencer. Um, he does the tire hammer, the, the tire hammers that you can build. And then he also did these treadle hammers where it's an inline hammer. And the idea of it is, is that it comes down straight. So it doesn't have that arc. So it comes down straight, very similar to a power hammer. So that no, at, no matter what the height of the material is that you're working on, you've always got, you're always, your striking surfaces are parallel, like your anvil and your hammer always are parallel to each other. Yeah, so, I actually pulled up one of his machines here. I'm taking a look at it. It's one of his, I guess, green ones. And yeah, it's it's really cool. Like you said, it has those, those springs, but it's got more of a guided system to kind of bring it down straight each time. So yeah. you're, there's no power. There's no air. There's no electricity. It's all your body weight pushing down on that pedal to bring the hammer down or... Is yep. it like a well, like a the, gun and no the so you are pulling down with your leg and then you have the mass of the hammer as well like the hammerhead would have some mass to it as well most guys are probably in the 40 50 pound range kind of depending on what you're what kind of work you're doing depending on how heavy you load it up so that's uh that's kind of where I'm aiming probably in the in the 50 pound range maybe a little heavier depending that is super cool. I think you should definitely make that and you should video it and put it on YouTube because people are into shop upgrades and that kind of stuff. That always pops off. I would love to see it. I would watch it and I'm not a blacksmith. Yeah, I also do, don't do videos, so it's going to be tough. <laughs> Give the camera to one of your daughters. Just say, come out here and do some TikTok reels for me, but <laughs> film it horizontally, not vertically. Yeah, we're just going to see her dancing the whole time. Are are either of you guys on TikTok? Do I have to say? I I have it. Um, not to put anything on 
it, but more of just seeing what my daughters are into, being trying to be a good parent. <laughs> I tried a few years ago, got on it, was scrolling thing, scrolling through some things that I was just not interested in, so I deleted the app at that point. But probably about a month ago, got my account back and just tried uploading some things to see if anything would pop off. Because I always hear people saying they put a random video on, they get millions of views. So far, no dice, probably 3,000 views the most so far. But I think I've noticed a difference since I've gotten on TikTok is I've trained it a little bit better. Now, if there's something that interests me, I'll sit there and actually let it play through. And I think the algorithm on there is learning what I'm interested in now at this point. So instead of seeing teenage girls doing their dances, I'm saying police chases, heavy machinery breaking, uh, OSHA, is this safe? That kind of stuff. And I'm actually coming to enjoy TikTok because of that. It's It's been, it's learned what I'm into. It's not all bad. I feel like Instagram's learned what I'm into better now on that search page than it used to, you know? But I think they overfeed me with things like, you know, I like Chevy trucks. I like the one on there. And now that's all that's on there. Chevy trucks. That's it. It's kind of like YouTube, right? Same thing. Yeah. Like you go do a search for how to fix something on a truck. And then for the next few weeks, all you see is truck stuff. Yeah. But I had it. I had it on uh, on woodworking and, and metalworking and stuff. And that was on the search page, all over the search page. And then I just happened to look up one truck to show somebody an old truck I had. And now it just replaced everything. It's like, oh, you like trucks? Well, that's more popular than woodworking. So here you go. Yeah. You should you should try being a powerlifter and looking at a few things. And then all of a sudden it's like it's half naked people, not even women, just everybody with their shirts off. And so I don't need to look at this all the time. <laughs> yeah, blame it on the powerlifting, Tony. That's what it is. <laughs> It's paying attention to which ones you're slowing down on there, Tony. Yeah, but speaking of, didn't you just get a record in powerlifting? Uh, Yes, I just hit a provincial record in my weight division for uh, for the squat at uh, 300, or sorry, 300, I wish, 230 kilos, 507 pounds. Wow. A lot of weight. You could squat my laser machine. Next time I need to get the air bubbles out, I'm just going to have you pick it up. (laughs) Yeah, minus a 20-hour drive. That's true. (laughs) <laughs> that's true do you uh do you fly tony or i'll always just drive where you're going uh no i don't mind flying um done a bit for work and stuff so it's nothing that uh nothing that i don't mind that's, that's good to hear because at some point when maker central comes back up maybe we'll take a trip to europe boys what do you think yeah, yeah i think about it pretty yeah i think I about it yeah all right cool my thing is, well, I, th- I don't know if my wife would let me go to Maker Central or go to Europe for Maker Central rather than go on a vacation with her. So I think you would need I'm to plan a few boat. extra weeks while you're there. Do the Maker thing, but spend most of the time exploring. So this is what they call a callback in comedy, but Tony and I both have real jobs. We don't have a couple weeks to <laughs> go screw <laughs> yeah, around exactly. doing whatever we want to do. I have a hard enough time finding the hour to record this already. So. Well, I, I guess this is where I got to defend myself. Since I left my full-time job as a teacher and started working my full-time business, I've worked more now than I ever worked in my entire life. So don't think that just because you start a business, it gets easy. You never clock out. Yeah, I'd agree. I, would I know. You'd be a lot busier. If you want to be successful. But the difference with you is when you work more, you make more. With me, I get paid the same amount. That's depressing. That is very depressing. I can feel that for sure. 
it makes you want to just do the bare minimum for whoever you're working for, you know, especially if there's no benef- uh, bonuses or commissions or anything like that. I think if, if I ever did have employees come and work in my shop, I would I would want to somehow come up with either a percentage based or commissions or bonuses or something to give them a reason to want to stay. Just hire better employees. Yeah, (laughs) just hire better employees. Now, that all sounds good and dandy, but with the with the way my income fluctuates so much with the different seasons, bringing in an, an employee is so far in the future. I can't even imagine it. At this point, I'm just going to keep buying robots to do the jobs that I don't want to do. Yeah, like every other mass-produced company out there. Replace labor with robots. That's capitalism. That is its finest. So for you, it would be the spring that would be the uh, the busiest, I would assume. Like when things would start to pick up? Yeah, things have been changing a little bit with uh, coronavirus recently. Before, I guess I would see, say, BC before corona. It was always, yeah, April to like October was the wedding season. So actually, when I first got started in the making, it was all wedding props, wedding signs, guest books, things like that. Since COVID, that business is pretty much shut down, all those products. They're starting to pick up a little bit now in this year, but nowhere near as much. Now, on the flip side, with coronavirus coming in, and it actually, I noticed a jump on the exact day that Hobby Lobby decided to close their doors. I got sales like nobody's business from people just coming in and buying home decor items off of Etsy. Um, so there was kind of that shift from retail stores to online stores. So it's interesting. Um, sometimes I can get lost just looking at the different analytics month by month and, and trying to come up with assumptions as to why people are coming to my shop online and purchasing more than they usually do. That may be a fool's errand, you know. You may never figure out why something pops off. Could be a TikTok video, somebody making something. They're like, oh, I bet I can buy that on Etsy. And it's just a random time of the day, you know. Yeah. And then and they go on Etsy and they find your shop, you know. Um, so you never know what the influence is coming from. Well, I'm a little bit interested, Keith. You got a CNC before you had any clients. You get the CNC and then magically you start getting clients. How did you pull that off? I want to know because I would have never gone that route. I'm not as brave as you. I started out with a scroll saw and a jigsaw and just kept building. You jumped right into it. A uh, little luck, but uh, networking, man. You know, getting out there, talking to people. I, I'm not at the moment. I I have a couple people I can make things for on an ongoing basis, which I don't yet. But uh I bought it just because I wanted it, not so much to, uh, like, I wanted it for my own personal reasons. And I, I really only want the clients to pay it off. So, uh, but it turned out before I even made my first carve, I had a client. So here we are. Couldn't imagine a better way for it to go. Well, the good thing is, is it's a client where it, it's one client who keeps coming back for more stuff. So it's a repeat customer. They are also, like, they're full on furniture makers. And they got an opportunity where they had some things that, for things they don't do. They don't do any non-traditional woodworking. So things like the CNC machines and stuff, they don't want to get into it. So I'm going to be their CNC guy for now, as long as I, I can keep producing for them. Um, so I lucked out in that retrospect. I'm not the one chasing down the, the customers. I have, like right now, I have one customer and he just keeps coming back to me. 
he treats me good. I treat him good, you know? So I have a yeah. ton of stuff I need to make for my own stuff, which I haven't even done on the CNC just because he's in line and his line's not stopping anytime soon. So who knows if I'll ever use it for myself or if I'll just keep cranking stuff out for this guy, which would be nice. But even if not, at least it pays off a good chunk of the machine for now. And then I can worry about customers later, you know? Yeah, I think that's a really good way to go. And I think you're lucky in that they are furniture makers. So you guys kind of speak the same language already. You kind of know the in and outs of, of, of that kind of. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know if they want me to say who they are or not, but. Uh, Give them a plug. Give them a plug. Green Street Joinery is who it is up here in Jersey. And uh, Jeff and Rob run that. And those guys are great. And I'll bug them all the time. Like, hey, I screwed this up, you know. It's going to take a little longer. And they get it. They're like, all right, you know, no problem, you know. Or, Do they have an Instagram that we can find them on? Yeah, Green Street Joinery. A YouTube that we can find them on? Green Street? No, I think it's – they have a, a podcast, actually. I think their YouTube is their what? podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's the American Craftsman Podcast, I believe it's called. It's good. If you're into traditional woodworking and only woodworking, then it's a really good podcast. You can learn a lot from those guys. That's, that's interesting. I'm not sure if their podcast is quite as big as ours at this point, but maybe we could have them on at some point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's it. We're not quite as big as them. Right. Yeah. But no, maybe we'll get one of those guys on or both of them. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I may have to send them a message and uh, see if they have any CNC work for me to, to help out with. Easy there. Easy. Don't go <laughs> poaching my client. Since you dropped their names for me, I appreciate that. It's my, it's my one and only client so, for CNC work, yeah. anyway. I, I want to do that to you. But repeat clients are, are good, and it's, it's kind of interesting how we're all talking a little bit about repeat clients today. It's almost like a topic has kind of manifested itself uh, with Tony, with the guy at the, the pub, Keith with the CNC work, and um, I myself have a few repeat customers as well, and they're, they're my bread and butter. I know they come back every other month or every month. And those are some big orders that I've, I've gotten a little bit more comfortable with. I have the files already figured out, the materials are figured out, and, and those are those are good. Those are good to keep. So if you have repeat customers, keep them happy, keep that relationship going. Um, they're a lot better than bridezillas that come at you at the last minute wanting <laughs> something for their wedding, and they're like, "I need it yesterday, and I can pay you twenty five dollars." Those those are not the clients you want. So repeat customers are good. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine that scenario is not the greatest either because they may not have a clear thought on what they want when they're asking for it. But they had a clear thought after they get it and they don't like it. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. Uh, speaking of that, uh, one of the techniques that I use for selling online is before I even ship anything out to somebody, I take multiple pictures, send those pictures to them. I actually have a saved message where I write out, hey, everything's handmade by me. Be sure you take a close look at it. If there's anything that you want changed before I ship it out, please let me know. All that jazz. And since sending that out, I have not had any issues of somebody wanting to do it return or anything like that. So it's it's a little bit of a fail safe that I've been using and, and it's worked out really well for me. I'm not saying there is, but it, if you preface it by saying I hand make everything and it's handmade by me. I think if there is an imperfection, I'm not saying your stuff has imperfections. I'm just saying if there is, I think people are more like, oh, yeah, it was handmade. You know, I think there's more of a like a leniency there for people where nowadays Etsy used to be all handmade and you expected that, 
You know, that's part of the charm of shopping on, on Etsy. You know, nowadays, anyone can sell on Etsy. There's full-on companies buying from Alibaba and selling on Etsy. So it's crazy to me, you know, mm-hmm. all mass-produced in, in China. I'm not saying that stuff's not handmade. It probably is, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, then they bring it here and they sell it as if they made it. It's frustrating. Yeah. And you're, you're bringing up a good point because I think we're all kind of guilty of it. If you think of anything we purchased on Amazon, if we're not happy with it at all, instantly, we're all just going to go ahead and click that return button and send it off without saying anything. Etsy or write a, a negative or write a negative review and not return. it. You know, if yeah. I'm not happy with this coffee, mug, I'm not going to return it. But I may. Re- I don't. But, you know. People could write a negative review, but when it's handmade, maybe it's not, you know? I think part of what you what would make a business like yours successful is that email that goes out before you ship it and all of that stuff, you know? Like and we- uh, as it arrives also for everything that I send out, I also take five to two minutes to write a handwritten note thanking them for supporting my business. And I think that adds a little bit of humanity to the shipment as well. Because worst case scenario... The item that they bought for me is received broken. Well, me, you, you guys would be mad if something got was broken. But if you saw a handwritten note in there from somebody and you know it was a human, not just a company, you're going to be a little bit more lenient and willing to work with them rather than a negative review instantly just like that. Handwritten notes work out good. Oh, I like getting a handwritten note in my package, you know, if I order something handmade. Yeah. Right now, I'm pretty much hand delivering everything that I've made, so mainly just friends and family that I've worked with for now. Keeping it local. Does that stress you out, like having to make something and then seeing their face when you hand it to them? Because I don't experience that very often. Um, I guess, yeah, I would a little bit, but I'm not very high stress to begin with, so you can probably tell I'm pretty low key. So. Um, <laughs> I, no, like yeah. the, I made a, a poker for, a, a, like a fire poker for a friend of mine at the gym, and yeah, it was one of those things I handed it right to him and like, yeah, it was uh, a little nerve-wracking, but we had a good conversation and everything, and it seemed like he was pretty happy with it, so can't complain. I think I'm probably my worst critic. A lot of times when I'm, I'm making something, I'm the one that's going to find the imperfections in it, not the person that I'm handing it to and collecting the money from. I'm sure we're all guilty of the same. Oh, absolutely. So, I'm, I am that person as well. It's the same idea with these, like the beer caramelizer that I'm making. Like I want it to be as perfect as I can make it, and when I handed one of them over to the, like I've handed four of them over to the customer and he's like, he was absolutely happy with it. And I'm looking at him like I'm seeing all this stuff that I didn't like. <laughs> and he's like, oh no, I like it. I like how it's got the handmade feel to it. And I was like, yeah, I understand. I, I want it to be, to still look like it's been forged. I don't want it to look like somebody just turned it out on a lathe. I want it to be, to look like somebody actually put some effort into it, not just a machine. Absolutely. Out like that. So I was going to say, I, I've watched some of these guys on Instagram or whatever, you know, you know, like the blacksmiths or whatever, and they're on there and they'll be going through and they start off and everything looks cool and handmade and hand forged. And then they get these coal iron presses or whatever. And everything just starts to look like they get so good that it looks mass produced after a while. And then that's what they're putting out. You're looking at it and you're like, well, what happened to that handmade touch you had? Now you're just like a production house and it's cool. Yeah. And that's probably what they were aspiring to in the, like to begin with, but I would rather have something, you know, that's got the total, it's got a bunch of mistakes on it and the hand tool marks and all of that stuff. Yeah. There- I mean, there's a little bit of everything. Like you can have more of a, a forged look that has a little bit more hammer marks to it. 
And then you got some people that, that you can tell it's forged, but it's so clean that it's just, there's just a, a level of skill that someday I'll get there, but I'm not there yet. My thing is when you make something and you're giving it to somebody, the difference is like you took it from raw material to whatever the product is. So like for me, if I made a table for somebody, right, I had the raw material and I took it all the way. So I know like in this part of the leg or whatever, something went wrong. No one's going to notice, but I noticed because I was there when I made that part. You know what I mean? So then yeah, I know I, about it. They just see the table as a table. They're not looking at that minute detail that we are, but we made that that detail to begin yeah. with. Whether it went awry or went right, I wanted a chamfer and I had to make it a round over or vice versa. Like we see it and it angers us, but no one else is going to care. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm with you there because the, the, the fire poker that I made, the way I made it, the way he wanted it was you started, you had to fold it over. And then what I should have got was a, or how I wanted to finish it was with a forge weld and actually forge weld it together and then draw it out to a point. And with my limited skills, I, uh, I was looking at it and I wasn't able to get the forge weld to take. So I ended up just hitting with the MIG welder and, and then blending it in to get, to get, still got the look because at, in the end, I actually ended up putting for, like a hammered texture on the weld. So you can't tell that it was a weld, but I was also very open with him when I said how I finished it, that it was, you know, this was actually welded. It wasn't forge weld, like, cause I don't want to represent myself as something that I didn't do as well. Right. Did he care? No, no, absolutely not. I guarantee you his eyes glazed <laughs> over and was like, this yeah. guy's talking about welding. I thought that's what he was doing for me. And I think that's a bad habit that we all need to kind of break is picking apart your pieces in front of the person you're giving it to. I'm guilty of it. If I'm handing something to somebody and I see it and I think that they're going to find it, I want to say it before they do just because it's like a self-defense mechanism. It's like, hey, I know that was there. I'm sorry. But I think we need to stop doing that because nobody's going to see that stuff. If yeah, that guy wasn't a blacksmith, he would have never known you welded that thing. <laughs> Well, it, it, goes, it goes down to the same thing. Sorry, Tony. It goes down no, to the no. same thing, though. It's better to to ask for an apology than ask for permission, right? So yeah. apologize for your mistake once they see it. Don't point it out to them, you know? Well, and I'm I, such I a think... doofus, though. I'm, I'm guilty of that so many times, and I'm learning to just keep my dang mouth shut. <laughs> well, the problem is when you're giving somebody that you poured over however many hours it took you to make it, right? So you have an invested interest in it, and then your subconscious is like, I, I'm so self-conscious about that one mistake. That's all you're thinking about. Your focus is on that nick at the bottom of that leg that no one's ever going to see because no one's going to turn it over, right? And then you give so, it to them, and you're like, oh, sorry about that. <laughs> what? So for, for me, it, it comes down to, and this is what I have to remind myself of, is that you have to remember that they came to you for a reason because they don't have, they don't have the skill that you have to make what they asked for. So they're not, like you said, like they're not going to see the difference between a forge weld and a MIG weld. Like that's, it's just, they're coming to you for your expertise or your specialty. They're not going to see the mistakes that, that you or I will see in our metalwork or woodworking. And that's a big thing that we got to remember. That's definitely true. As you were saying that, that does remind me, one of my friends that I follow on Instagram, uh, manufactured master or something like that, I Sorry, messing up your name. He basically goes into, um, what's it called? The homes that are transported and then set up. What are those called? Modular. Modular. Manufactured. 
Yeah, modular homes. He's basically the finisher. They set it up. He goes in and fixes the trim and everything. And he, it's so funny. I love his stories because he goes through and finds the most ridiculous mistakes. And he's like, <laughs> he finds like door stops, like, uh, like attached in on the floor rather than on the wall, or he finds like, uh, just the craziest things. Well, he purchased something on my Etsy store. And I was like, oh crap. This guy's profession <laughs> is finding the mistakes. <laughs> so he bought one of those timeout chairs that I made. And I am going to admit, I spent a lot of extra time making sure that his chair was perfect when he got it. Guarantee so. guarantee you he could find something. That's the point. If you're looking for it, you're going to find something, right? Yeah. So if you don't point it out, you don't worry about it. It's not there. It's like Schrodinger's cat. Don't open that box if you don't need to. I don't know about the cat. Can you tell me about the cat? Oh, sh- sh- Schrodinger's cat. That's the um, some philosophy thing from Schrodinger or whatever. And there's a box and there's a cat in it, right? Uh-huh. Is the cat dead or alive? You, when you put it in, it was alive. But now, is it dead or alive? You don't know because the box is closed. So if you open the box and the cat is alive, then it's alive. But it could be dead. So you don't know. So you don't open Pandora's box, essentially. It's the, it's the saying. Yeah, I got That's you. That's interesting. Leave the cat in the box so you don't have to go bury it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just... <laughs> is that right? It's just oh. the box is the unknown is really what it is. It's not about a live or dead. I mean, it is, but we're, we're, we're going to have PETA all over us now. Oh, great. We might need to edit this part out. Yeah, this is a, this is a known scientific hypothesis. Okay. Like Pavlov's dog. Well, that's the bell ring. Freud. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. Yeah. You see where I'm going with it. Same, but different. Same, but different. Yes. Thanks, it's Tony. Different. But yeah. No potato. French fries, poutine. Tony, can you tell our American viewers what poutine is? I know because I've been, and it's delicious. Well, it's something I've never eaten. I'm not a... No way! No, I'm a Canadian. call yourself a Canadian? Never touched it. Never been a a fan of gravy, so I don't know why. I've never had it. So for those who don't know, it's just fries, gravy, and cheese. I thought it was cheese curds. Well, yes, the... The stuff they say is the best is the stuff with cheese curds, which, like I say, well, to- never had it. Because in, in Jersey, going to be our expert. <laughs> in, Jer- no, not, in Jersey no. diners, they have like disco fries and stuff, and that's with regular cheese on there. But I always thought poutine was cheese curds. I I went to a bar that did have cheese curds, which was pretty good. It was white gravy. I don't know if they use brown gravy in poutine. They do uh, up here, but like a right. chick- chicken or beef gravy. Still, food podcast talk is always good. Yeah. Is there a Georgia food that's only known to like Georgia that well, most people don't I, have or don't know somewhere else? And don't say Coca-Cola. We know about that one. It might be the fried green tomatoes. I don't know if you guys eat those. Have you ever heard of that? It's just where you take tomatoes that aren't completely ripened red. You slice them up and then you batter them up and then fry them. They're, I've, they're I've, good heard, and, I've heard of them. Yeah. yeah it was a movie. Yeah, it was a movie actually filmed in a town just 30 minutes north of me called Juliet, I believe. So a town far away from you. No relation to you whatsoever. But yeah, thanks That's for That's far to you? The man who has to drive into Manhattan? <laughs> yeah. How many hours does that take? <laughs> Depends on the day. He's driving from Jersey. Ooh. Jersey does border Manhattan. Yeah, well, you know how that goes. Travel. No. But, Tra- but other than that, we fry everything down here. If it can fit into a fryer, we'll fry it. I believe, uh, what is her name? Paula Dean is even frying sticks of butter and serving that at her restaurant, if that restaurant is still open anymore after the incident. 
Have you guys have you guys ever heard of uh, Taylor Ham or pork roll? Nope. Mm-mm. Nah, it's a Jersey. It's a Jersey thing. It's it's a roll of pork, pretty much. It's one of the best delicacies you can have. What part of the pig? I don't know. It's its own. It's like um, I don't know. It's a big tube of pork like this, and you cut it up, and then mm. you, you grill it up, and then like pork roll, egg and cheese, bagels is popular here. I skip the egg. I just go pork roll and cheese myself. But it's one of those things that good. that most people in Jersey they they love it. Like Jersey people, like they feel like they're known for it. But you can't get it outside of Jersey. It's made in Trenton, so mm. it's, uh, it's interesting. Well, I'll have to try that when I fly up to uh, Trenton for you to come pick me up for the makers camp. Yeah, I'm kidding. I don't know if I'm flying or not. It's all up in the air. It's a thing. Trenton is cheap. Yeah. I'd go Trenton to Fort Myers for like 50 bucks. Well, my wife was telling me she was saying that I should just go by myself. And if that is the case, I probably will fly. Who knows? Where would you go into like Albany or something? We could talk Mm. about that. We could talk about that after the. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But if anyone is coming to the maker's camp, Albany is probably the, the cheapest place to fly into. And if anyone needs someone to pick them up, if my car is there, send me a message on Instagram. I think it's 30 minutes from the maker's camp. I'll come pick you up from the airport. You don't have to rent a car. There you go. Keith isn't going to offer that, but I will. I got five seats. I'll come get five people. I'm not offering that at all. No. <laughs> do not okay. do not call me. Do not message me. Do not expect me to pick you up. And if for some reason you do and I say I'm on my way, I am not on my way. <laughs> all right. I'll see if I can borrow Chris Zepp's giant, giant van. Take that to the airport. I'm sure I can fit 30 people in that thing. Yeah. Maybe. He doesn't have a pack full of stuff. Yeah, he's going to have a pack full of stuff. He's not going to give it to Chad anyway. He doesn't even know who Chad is. Chad who? Uh, I introduced myself last two years ago. I'm sure he remembers. I'm going to go drive his uh, his bobcat. Knock his house down for him. All right, Keith. What do you want to talk about? I, I'm running out of things. You got anything? I'm leading down a rabbit hole that's just making me sound like a stalker. Pretty much what you are on the interwebs, isn't it? I do. I do want to talk about that laser Tony got you through Jason. Let's tell that story now that that's right. out. Now that that's out on the interwebs. Sure. Specific questions, or you want me to just talk about it? Well, I thought maybe Tony would bring up how he got you hooked up with it, but yeah, kind of a random story, I guess. Talking to Jason was it Jason Sullivan? Yes, it's J. I believe it's J M Sullivan J. on M. Instagram. Yeah. He's he's Jason on the other thing. Yeah. So he super uh, nice guy. Yeah. Great guy. Newfoundlander. Newfoundlander of all things. And we get talking to him on... J.M. Sullivan Woodworks. That's J. period M. period Sullivan underscore Woodwork. We got to give the guy his proper due. He did hook one of us up here. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. So, yeah, we just get talking on uh, Clubhouse there one day, and he was asking, looking for people that uh, might be, in the, would be interested in a laser. And then... Well, well the, the story the hold on, conversation carried on. Hold on, because there's a part of a kind of embarrassing thing for me. So I, he had asked me like the day before, and then like like about an hour before you even came up, Tony. Oh yeah, we were talking about it specifically, looking for people. And I spent I don't know <laughs> two days racking my brain. Who can I tell this guy to contact? Who can I tell him to contact? Tony comes in. Well, Keith, why didn't you ask for the laser? Oh, I did. That's the problem. I mean, he wasn't giving it to me. Ah, oh, that's okay. I got gotcha. you. Yeah, he he was looking for 
a certain number of followers kind of, you know, the, the whole social media stuff. But anyways, yeah, he mentioned it again when I came into the clubhouse room and I was sitting there and conversation carried on for a few minutes. And then I was like, I think I asked Keith directly over clubhouse and said, Hey, what do you think Chad would like one? Or do you think Chad would, you know, would be something he'd be interested in? And some expletives later, he's like, yeah, he probably would, uh, would enjoy a laser. And, uh, yeah. So we, we got, uh, Jason to find you on Instagram and then now we, we actually got Chad we, to get into. Yeah. Then we got you yeah. into the, yeah, we got you into the clubhouse room and then that's how, which is a big deal because I didn't even have it on my phone. Keith was like, you need to get clubhouse, get in here now laser and i was like oh <laughs> gosh another social media thing but it was but, worth it but when i sent you that right tony and 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 jason were talking about all your analytics and everything and jason keeps going yeah this may work this may be everything they're looking for because he had already gotten a couple other people hooked up with him and i think he was looking for somebody to give the comparison of other types of lasers so did you know when i was messaging you that I was asking, like, all I put was laser. Get in here now. It could have been a laser question. Did you know you were going to get a laser at that? Like, what was going through your head that you jumped on it that fast? Did you think? I, I'm not sure what you exactly you sent me, but I, I did somehow have a gut feeling that there was a laser being offered up, and I needed to get in there. <laughs> did you? The only response was that I got, I think, and this was a while ago, but was I don't have it on this phone. Hold on, and yeah, then like I don't right. know. However long it takes to download it, because you already had an account from a different phone, but h- however long it took you to download it and pop on, you were on. And I'd say in about five minutes, you sent me, oh, I'm getting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it did all happen very, very quickly, for sure. Yeah. I jumped in there. I introduced myself. He got me the contacts to the company. The company has uh, made the best and now, sell lots of different tools. I know this does not benefit us at all, but because we brought it up. Uh, Jason on his Instagram, if you find it, uh, he's got a link tree and if you buy from there, he gets a kickback. Yes. And let's send all the traffic his way. <clears throat> I don't, I don't need it. I don't deserve it. I got a free. Oh, do you, tree. do I you get a kickback too? Should we edit all this? I, out? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't need it. I have the same thing. I've got the link in my link tree as well, but I think if anyone deserves it, I think Jason does. Cause he did all that, that front work. And you'll get and, it from your followers directly, you know? Yeah. So Jason, he's only got like 500 followers. I don't know. He's doing a lot with that company with 500 followers or whatever. He's got 700 followers or whatever, you know? So he must be doing something well, he, right he, over there. He deserves to grow. I'm I'm trying to tag him anytime I reference the laser on my stories and he, give him whatever. Well, not only that, but he is, he got a lot of people to buy it too, just because, um, you know, he talks it up a lot. I guess it's a pretty good laser. I don't know. I've never used it, but he got a lot of people to buy it. He was helping him set it up, getting him go with test files and all the stuff. Like he sits there and so there's not much for that particular laser online yet because it's new. But he went through and he figured out all the different material feeds and speeds to cut, to engrave, all that stuff. He sat there oh. figuring it out. So like if you have a question, you can just reach out to him. And if he didn't do it, somebody else did it and gave him the documentation. So now you could be like, oh, I need this answer. And boom, he gets it right back to you. So. He's been helping a lot of people out with that. So, I mean, that's, I don't want to be that tropey, but the, that's part of this community, you know, as long as you're a maker, people help you, you know, so it's pretty wild. Yeah. He's definitely stepped up for sure. 
and, and I'm trying to do better with this product as far as getting information on it out for the company. Uh, recently, I had a company send me some some cameras to review, and it took me months and months and months just to get them out of the box and set up, and then months to finish the edit. What I've brand, already got the laser. What brand assembled. are they? The cameras. These cameras are they're called Hossmart. They uh, basically sell uh, driveway alerts and things like that. They have smart cameras. They're they're pretty good. If you want to see it, go check out my YouTube at YouTube.com/slash Chad's Custom Creations, and you can see my full review. Speaking of the devil. People, get on Clubhouse. You can go talk with Jason Sullivan right now. I'm sure he's in the in the shop Clubhouse Club. Am I right? Am I right, Keith? Yeah. That's the one he's in. Yep. As, but, we're, uh, talk- better. as we're talking, that notification popped up on my phone. I just showed the guys. Yeah. I, so- I saw the same one. But the laser is assembled. I think they say 30 minutes. And if I had watched an instructional video first, yes, I could have gotten it done in 30 minutes. But I was filming myself. I thought it would look interesting if I used just the manual that comes with the laser. Uh, I'm not going to talk bad about the company. But the instruction manual is just pictures with red circles and then the names of the parts. I didn't want to talk bad about the company either, but that is why Jason has been so pivotal for everybody. Yes, he's and, great. And, and he has been on the phone with, I, I know of at least like four people as they built their thing. People he didn't even know, he saw on Instagram, called them up, said, hey, I see you're open to this. Do you have any questions? And he would get on like a, a video call and walk people through how to build them. So he's seen That's it. Amazing. Like if anyone has seen more of these things built, it's Jason. It's incredible. But I probably got mine built in about an hour after I stopped, went back, watched an instructional video. But this is not your got first me. laser. It's not either. No. And I and they send it with, uh, what are they called? Allen wrenches? standard allen wrenches and i have those fancy ball allen wrenches i don't know if you know the difference but with those ball allen wrenches you can get it at whatever angle and it works if you don't have a set of those buy them right now throw away all stand throw away all standard break off the ball is in your street (laughs) that's what would be the one talking about breaking balls (laughs) i was just gonna say that that's the power lifter talking about breaking tools (laughs) yeah might have on our after show and uh tony how how do they find the after show well, that will be now on Patreon. We just uh, set it up. It's not live yet, but it will be uh, will be probably by the time this comes out. So, and it's uh, it's Working Hands podcast. You'll find us on Patreon. You can also email us questions if you want uh, at yes. the Working Hands pod. Is it the work? It, it's just Working Hands podcast. Working at, Hands podcast at gmail dot com. Email us any questions you want to talk about making or non making. We'll decide. <laughs> Feel free to leave us a review on anything you're listening to us on. Yeah, make sure it's a good review. You don't have to say good things, but make sure it's five stars because the algorithm doesn't look at the words. So just just write whatever you want to say about Keith or Tony, and uh, we'll read it out on the podcast here. Um, If you want to catch any of us again, we've got Keith at Blackthorn Concepts. Go find him on Instagram, YouTube. We've got Tony at Woodland Iron. Get him on Instagram quickest, and very soon, I'm going to get him on YouTube myself. You can find me, Chad, at Chad's Custom Creations. Uh, Talk to me on Instagram. Find me on YouTube. That's what I'm going to say there. Probably share that for the after show, because I've got some secret handouts to talk about. I got a secret I need to tell you guys about, and it has to do with beams of light at a very... Uh, uh, Enough. Ah! Enough. Save it for the patrons. We will talk to you guys next week.